Good morning. Let's pray as we get ready to look into the Lord's Word together. Uh, Lord, you are so worthy of our, of our praise. Uh, you have told us that uh, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as we think particularly about loving you with our minds today, we pray that you would lead us and speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we're returning to our series, Walk with Christ, from the book of Colossians. And if you're just joining us, um, just a quick word about Colossians. Colossians is actually a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a church, just like us, a church, a group of Jesus believers in a town called Colossae. And I chose that title for the series, Walk with Christ, because at several points throughout this book, Paul uses the term walk to refer to a, a life, uh, a living a life, um, and walking with Christ, um, talk, it, he compares it to, to taking a walk, which if you think about it, is, it's an everyday thing, you know, particularly when this was written, people walked every day. So walking is an everyday thing, uh, it, it has a destination, you're going somewhere, and it usually involves companions. And all of that fits when it comes to living out a faith relationship with Jesus. It's an everyday journey with him as he's leading us to where he wants us to go. And he is our guide and he is our most important companion. So we've been learning what that looks like. And today we are coming to the beginning of chapter 3. So if you have a Bible and you want to open it there, Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, we're going to go through the first four verses. And there is a note sheet in your uh, folder if you want to take some notes. Colossians 3, beginning at verse 1, says, If then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The thing that stands out to me here is this idea that walking with Christ requires careful thinking. Walking with Christ, living out an everyday journey with Him, requires careful thinking, which could well be a challenge. Uh, for us in our culture, because frankly, right now, we're not a culture that prizes careful thinking a lot. But if you want to walk with Christ, then it's going to take some careful thinking. What you think about, how you choose to think, and so on. And if you, if you think about it, that makes sense, because our minds are very powerful things. And what you tend to think about has a very large influence on how you live your life. Uh, we can see that in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, don't be conformed to this world, but be, look at this word, transformed. How? 
by the renewal of your mind. If you want to be transformed, if you want to live the kind of life God wants you to live, if you want to uh, live so that your life lines up with Him instead of the ways of this world, then you're going to have to work at renewing your mind, changing how you think. And I, and I believe it's really important to see that this is a choice. It's a choice. How you think is a choice. In the words of verses 1 and 2, we choose what we seek. Paul says, uh, seek the things above. We choose what we set our minds on, he says. Now, I don't think that means that every, every single thought that comes into your head is necessarily a choice. I don't know about you, but I've certainly had thoughts pop into my mind where I thought, where in the world did that come from? That's pretty random. And it didn't, it didn't feel like a choice to think about that. But, but I don't think that's really the point here. The point is that we're talking here about an overall direction or a, a pattern of thinking. A choice to intentionally pursue certain things, to let your mind dwell on certain things. And see, that is a choice. We make choices. You, you make choices every day. You make decisions about what you're going to put in your mind. You choose what you listen to. You choose what you read. You choose what you watch. And all of that stuff affects how you think. You make choices. And if you choose to fill your mind with a lot of junk then you're going to tend to think junky thoughts. And if instead you choose to fill your mind with good, solid truth, then you're going to tend to think good, solid, truthful thoughts. That's just how it works. It's a lot like programming a computer. What you choose to think about becomes part of what you think. So then then even those random individual thoughts will tend to be inclined in the direction that you've chosen to set your mind. That's why Philippians 4.8 tells us this. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Choose to think about those kinds of things instead of the other kinds of things you can think about. So there's a choice here. And the choice is laid out in verses 1 and 2. Notice what the choice is. He says, seek the things that are above where Christ is. The choice is to set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. So that's the choice. The choice is to make it your habit, to make it your pattern, to make it your normal way of thinking, to think above things instead of on earth things. Okay, that's the choice. Think above things instead of on earth things. (laughs) What in the world does that mean? What does that mean? Okay, I think it's really important that we don't misunderstand this because if if you misunderstand it, you won't know what to do with it because it'll seem completely impossible. I can't do this. 
I mean, I have to think about earth things. I've got to think about when I go to my job. I've got to think about my work. I've got to think about my car that needs repairing, or I've got to think about paying my bills, or I've got to think about mowing the lawn. I mean, I just have to think about things on earth. See, and if you think that that's what this is saying, don't do, you're just not going to do it. So let me, ex- let me elaborate here. Let me try to explain what this doesn't mean. Setting your mind on things above as opposed to things on earth. That does not mean thinking spiritual things only and not thinking about material things. This doesn't mean think about angels and don't think about cell phones. Okay? That's not what it means. Now, there's definitely a place for thinking about angels and other spiritual realities, but that is not the point here. And we know this if we read a little further in the context. We get down to verse 5. Look what it says. It says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And the language here is the same idea in verse 2. It's talking about the things that are on earth, earthly things. Then it goes on to list what some of these earthly things are. And look what they are. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And in the next couple of verses, he talks about even more. So in this context, the things on earth are not things like cell phones and bills and jobs and cars and trees and houses no he's talking about the values the priorities the behaviors of this world in rebellion against god instead of the values and the priorities and the behaviors of christ's kingdom The things above, where Jesus is, where he is honored, where Jesus is trusted, where Jesus is obeyed. Okay, And we see it because we go down to verse 12, now we get a list of the things above. The values and priorities of Christ's kingdom. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. See, those are the above things. Those are the things above. Those are the things to seek. Those are the kind of things to set your mind on. So let me put it all together and tell you what I think it means here. To set your mind on things above means this. It means to think Christianly about everything. Think Christianly or think Christ-centeredly, if there's such a phrase about everything, whether we're talking about angels or worship services or taxes or car repairs or lawnmowers or whatever. It's thinking with a Christ-centered, Christ-honoring perspective anytime we're thinking about anything. And that fits with the overall theme of this book, because we saw back in chapter 1, verse 18, a very significant statement back in chapter 1, verse 18, says that Jesus died and he rose again 
so that in everything he might be preeminent. That means supreme. Number one, Christ died and rose again to be supreme in everything. That includes our thinking. He's to be supreme in our thinking. Because here's the thing. If he's not preeminent, if he's not supreme in our thinking, he won't be supreme in our living. That's just how it works. What you tend to think about, what you give preeminence to in your mind, comes out as preeminent in your life. Now, in a few minutes, I want to give you just a practical, for instance, of what what I think this looks like, thinking Christianly about everything. But before we get there, it's important that we see why this matters, why this is so important. And it's important because we're given two very big reasons why this matters, why we ought to think Christianly about everything. It says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And it says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So, Let's look at these. Reason number one for thinking Christianly about everything is this. If you've put your trust in Jesus, if you have received His free gift of forgiveness, His free gift of new life, if you have put your trust in Him, then you have experienced a radical change of identity as far as God is concerned. You are not the same person you were before you trusted Christ. You've experienced an amazing change of identity. And we saw this earlier in the book when it talks about being buried with Christ in baptism. We're going to witness that just a little bit. And then being raised to new life with Him. And the point is this, that when you become connected to Jesus by faith, God regards you as having died with him and having been raised with him. Your old self, your old identity, buried with him. The new you, your new self, your new identity, raised up with him. See, you're no longer the same person who used to be separated from God. You're no longer the same person who used to be an outsider to the family, who used to be an outcast. No, now it says your life is hidden with Christ in God. What an amazing statement. Hidden with Christ in God. Now you're inside the family. Now you are a child of God. See, that is an amazing change of identity, and it's real. It's real. It's real. Now, you don't look any different, really, you know, except maybe the expression on your face, I hope. Okay? You you don't look all that different. You maybe don't feel all that different. And and the reason for this, at least part of the reason for this, is, is the new you is still hidden, in a sense. Now, don't misunderstand it. I'm not saying we're supposed to hide the fact that we're Christians. We're not. Just the opposite, okay? We're supposed to be 
his witnesses. We're supposed to proclaim the truth. So that's not what I mean by being hidden. What I mean is this. The full reality of your new identity has not yet been revealed to you or anybody else. Uh, Yes, our lives begin to change as we begin to live out this new identity that he's given us. But, you know, you can't just go to the mall and watch people walk by and go, huh, believer in Jesus. Oh, not a believer in Jesus, you know. Unless, of course, they got some weird T-shirt on or something. (laughs) And even then, you know, who knows? But, you know, it's not like Christians have glowing red lights on their head and everybody else doesn't. The, The full reality of this new identity has not yet been revealed, and it won't be until Jesus returns and the change that he has begun in us will be completed. Look at 1 John 3, verse 2. Beloved, we are God's children when? What's it say? Now. We are God's children now. And yet what we will be has not yet appeared. Already, not yet, okay? But we know that when he appears, Jesus, when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So, it's not fully fully there yet, you know, not fully revealed, not fully demonstrated, but it's begun, and it's real. It's real right now. And your identity, if you've put your trust in Jesus, your identity as a child of God defines you like nothing else defines you. You know, everybody's, so I remember in the 60s, you know, it was the big thing, I got to go find myself, I got to find myself, I got to define who I am. And we try to define ourselves by our achievements and by, by our loves and our, uh, you know, the things we do, our successes and all and None of that defines you like your identity as a child of God defines you. Your successes don't define you. Your achievements don't define you. Your failures don't define you. Your appearance, we're also worried about our appearances. Your appearance doesn't define you. What others say about you doesn't define you. What you say about yourself doesn't define you. It's what Jesus says about you that truly defines you. And if you put your trust in him, he says you belong to him. You are deeply valued by him. You are cherished by him. You are delighted in by him. By the, one, by the only one whose opinion of you really matters. Do you realize that? In the, in, when it's all said and done, ultimately there's only one opinion about who you are that matters. That's his, not yours, not what anybody else says. So if that's true, if that's true, then you don't want to live like a person who isn't connected to Jesus. You don't want to think like a person who isn't connected to Jesus. As if this new identity wasn't real, or if it doesn't matter, or it's no big deal. You know one reason why this is so important? There is something that plagues basically everybody, and it's called insecurity. We are so insecure. 
we are constantly looking for validation, for affirmation, for success or whatever, to, to just make us feel like we're okay, we're worth something, we matter. Everybody's got that issue. And it leads to so much messed up stuff. As we're trying this and that bad idea to try to get people to love us and affirm us and whatever. You know what fixes that? It's knowing who you are in Christ. It's knowing what he says about you. It's knowing what he really believes about you. What he def- how he defines you. And when we know that, and we learn to think like that, then that sets us free from that messed up stuff that we do because we're so insecure. It really does matter. You have become, in Christ, a new person. So you've got to learn to think. You've got to learn to think like a new person. Okay? The other reason for thinking Christianly about everything is your amazing destiny. It says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him. You will be revealed with him in glory. Jesus promised to come again. I know a lot of people say he won't. That's wishful thinking. It's been so long, can't possibly be true. I don't care what they say. I don't care. Because Jesus promised. He will keep his promise. He will keep it. And when he comes, he is going to fix everything that's wrong with everything. Including fixing everything that's wrong with everyone who belongs to him. I can't wait. (laughs) I cannot wait. Look at Philippians 3.20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it, from heaven, we await. See, that's life. Today, we're waiting, not uselessly, not twiddling our thumbs waiting, active waiting. But anyway, we're waiting for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Glorious body. Glorious. Glory. That's your destiny if you belong to Jesus. Glory. I don't claim to even begin to grasp all that's captured in that word glory. I just know this. It's going to be really, really good. Really good. Better than the best thing you've ever experienced. You know, you hear people say things, you know, oh, that's the best, best thing ever. No, it's not. It's not even close. The best thing ever. No, this is the best thing ever. And it's still future. And this is so good to know, particularly as we're getting older, some of us, and you know, it's like all these great experiences we've had are in the past, in the rearview mirror, and it seems like we have less and less to look forward to. You really young people, you don't understand what I'm talking about, but... But even then, you may have had an experience, you just think, well, that, that's, that, that's the tops. I, I, can't, I can't top that. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. doesn't matter what you're going through, what you've been through, what you've experienced, what you're experiencing now, 
Your best days are still ahead of you. Your very best days, far better than anything you've ever experienced, are still ahead of you. Absolutely. And see, if you believe that, if you believe that, that gives you the hope you need for enduring the hard things of this world. So, I can put up with this, whatever this is, whatever this hurtful thing is, this hard thing, because, and by put up with it, I don't mean just, you know, don't try to do anything about it. That's not what I mean. We're called to do what we can do. We're called to tell the gospel. We're called to bring his truth and justice and and love to bear in every situation that we can. But if in spite of my best efforts to make it better, it's not getting any better, I can put up with it because I know it's only temporary and very soon things are going to be awesome. Absolutely awesome. And see, what that means is there's a big difference between discouragement and despair. Discouragement, you know, that's just something we experience in this life because there are things that are really hard, and they're hard, and they hurt. And we weep. Jesus wept. People who know God weep. That's okay. And that's why we're called to encourage one another daily. We need daily encouragement because it can get really hard. That's discouragement. But see, that's not despair. Despair is different. Despair is not okay. Despair is when you've become convinced that it's never going to get better. And that's not true. That's not true if you're a child of God. It's going to get better. Your future is amazing, and your future is certain. It's as certain as Jesus rising from the dead. That's how certain it is. So, that's why it matters that we think Christianly about everything. Because of our new identity, because of our destiny. Now, let me just give you a very quick example of how this could work out on, a, on just an issue, thinking Christianly about an issue. And I was trying to pick something, you know, kind of down-to-earth and practical, and we just had April 15th, so I thought, perfect, taxes, let's think about that. I, I was going to say, I was running through this, we just celebrated April 15th, but that didn't seem like the right word, celebrate. <laughs> how to think Christianly about filing a tax return, paying taxes. Okay, well, if I ignore... My identity is a child of God. If I choose not to believe what Jesus says about me, if I ignore the amazing future that he has promised me, well, then I might be inclined to think all kinds of not good things. Like I might really be afraid. I might be worried. I'm not going to have enough because if I pay my taxes, then I'm not going to have enough for me. Or maybe I'll think, hey, you know, I'm just going to lie here on my tax return because the government just wastes it anyway. And And I I need more for me and my family. And I've heard the IRS is short on agents, and I'll probably get away with it. So what kind of thinking is that? What kind of thinking is that? That's thinking like a person who doesn't know Jesus. That's thinking like a person who doesn't trust him to take care of my needs, to fulfill his promise to do that. That's thinking like a person who doesn't care 
if he is honored through my life by being truthful and law-abiding. If, on the other hand, I remember who I am, who I really am in Christ, then I'm going to think differently about taxes. I'm going to remember that God tells me to be in submission to the governing authorities unless they're ordering me to do something disobedient to God, which paying taxes isn't because God never said, don't ever pay taxes. Okay? I want to be an example of truthfulness and righteousness because why? I want people to see him in my life. And I'm going to choose to be thankful because he chose me to. And in spite of whatever irritations I have about government, I'm really thankful that I live in places where, in a place where by and large, it's, it's law-abiding and, and, you know, there's so many good things that I could choose to be thankful for instead of focusing on my irritations. And I don't have to worry about my needs being met because Jesus said he would meet all my needs if I seek first his kingdom. And I don't, you know what, even if, even if the government just goes crazy on me, decides to persecute me, create all kinds of hardship and injustice in my life, I'm not going to despair. Why? Because I know it's only temporary. It's only temporary, and Jesus is going to come back and he's going to fix that. And you know what? I'm going to inherit the kingdom. I don't care about these penny-any taxes if I'm thinking about what I'm going to get. That's just one example. It's a good exercise. You talking amongst yourselves afterwards, just kind of think through. What does it look like to think Christianly about everything? To look as if I really believe in my new identity as a child of God and believe in my destiny. Be careful how you think. If you know Jesus, don't think like a person who doesn't. Be careful how you think. Don't just fill your mind with the junk food of this world because it will come out in your living. Choose to set your mind on the above things. Every day. Every day. The battle for life is often won or lost in the mind. Let's pray. Gracious Father, you have given us a book full of good stuff to think about. You have given us truth. You have given us hope. You have given us that which leads to wholeness and reconciliation and forgiveness and peace and joy. And Lord, help us choose to set our minds on the above things so that we can live a life that's honoring to you and good for us and for one another, for the world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.